0: You're listening to a message from the Winsboro Church of Christ. This is the Winsboro.church podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or prayer requests, you can get in touch with us at any time through our website at Winsboro.church. As we are in our homes, worshiping with our families now for the third week, I want to thank you. Uh, thank you for helping us, you know, for our whole church family, everyone involved. Uh, Those involved in these videos, those of you watching them, uh, thank you for making the best of a not-so-great situation. That is where we are. It is where we have been for much of 2020 and where we continue to be. And I hope that we can look forward to meeting together next week. And we will definitely communicate and pass that on this week as to what our plans are, but thank you for tuning in this morning and thank you that you are wanting to worship together. We are apart, but what we're doing still and the beautiful thing that's happening right now is we are worshiping together. Again, making the best out of an imperfect situation. And speaking of making the best out of an imperfect situation, These are the two guys our country is looking to to lead us into the next four years. And we're going to get a little bit political. I hope that you see that I am not trying to bias or push one of these guys over the other. Or even if you would be independent or third party. That's not my point this morning, but I want us to realize, and why we're going to look at the book of Daniel, is that uh, regardless of who wins, you may have some pretty good confidence of maybe you're a candidate or one you think will win. Honestly, I don't have a clue. I thought I had a clue four years ago, and I was surprised. So um, I'm just going to wait and see what happens, much like everyone else. But I can say... This is an imperfect situation. That these are imperfect people. And the next four years will be imperfect four years. Hopefully a little bit better than 2020. But the next four years are going to be what they're going to be. It's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be everything we want. But here's the thing. We can still be wise. We can still be faithful. Just like Daniel. And what I want to look at this morning is Daniel chapters 4 and 5. Daniel, like us, didn't just live and serve under one king, under one ruler. We don't serve under a king at all. Our rulers, our executive branch, our president, is chosen every four years. And at most we get eight years. Sometimes I'm very thankful for that rule. And Daniel, he got more than eight years. He got lifetimes, but his lifetime went through several kings. And so he didn't have these guys to think about and decide about. He had these guys. Now, Daniel really didn't have much deciding to do, he didn't have a vote. That's not how the Babylonian Empire was set up. But this was a father and a son Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar. And Daniel served them both. For a long time, Daniel served Nebuchadnezzar. His uh, formative years growing up in the land of Babylon and being called into the service of the king to be a a counselor in the king's court, uh, to be an advisor, a a wise person in the king's court. In chapters 1 through 4, he served Nebuchadnezzar. But then Nebuchadnezzar's reign ends. He dies and his son takes up the throne, Belshazzar. And chapter 5 is about how Daniel served him. Now, if you've read the chapters, you'll notice Daniel did not serve them equally. And I don't believe that Daniel had an equal attitude toward them, much like these two guys. Most of you do not have an equal attitude toward those two guys. I try to uh, be open-minded myself. I try to not cast too quick of a judgment on either party, either candidate, I am not immune from bias. I am not immune from how I was raised. I am not immune from the society, the the city, the culture, East Texas that we live in. And so we have a different maybe viewpoint when we think about these two characters. And that's okay, because Daniel did too. He thought about these two guys differently. He interacted with them differently. One of them, he actually had appreciation. And maybe out of Biden or Trump, you have an appreciation for one or the other of those. Uh, To varying degrees, I don't think any of us necessarily are their biggest fan. But maybe you do appreciate one far above the other. That's okay. Daniel appreciated the first king, Nebuchadnezzar. And whenever Daniel interprets yet another dream for him, Daniel interpreted the dream in chapter 2. In chapter 4, he interprets another dream for him. And in chapter 4, the message of the dream is one Daniel struggles with. Because the dream that that King Nebuchadnezzar had from God was a dream about how he was going to be disciplined. He was going to be punished for his arrogance. And so, when Daniel goes in to interpret the dream, he goes, oh, no, you're not going to like this one, king. Your dream is about something that's going to happen to you in the near future, and it's not good. And Daniel is hesitant to tell. Daniel chapter 4, verse 19, Then Daniel, whose name is also Belteshazzar, not to be confused with Belshazzar, He was upset for a brief time. His thoughts were alarming to him. The king said, Belteshazzar, don't let the dream and its interpretation alarm you. The Belteshazzar replied, and Daniel replied, Sir, if only the dream were for your enemies and its interpretation applied to your adversaries. The tree that you saw that grew large and strong, whose top reached the sky, that's you, he says in verse 22. But in verse 23, when the message is chopped down the tree, that's not good news for Nebuchadnezzar. Now Daniel points out in the dream that the stump is still there, and actually, Nebuchadnezzar, you're going to be punished. You're going to be disciplined for a time, but you're going to recover. You're going to get your kingdom back. And that's a little bit of a consolation, but just the idea of, oh, you had this dream of this beautiful, strong, powerful tree that will let you, and you get chopped down. Daniel didn't want to give him the message, but he did. He appreciated the king. He honors the king. Even though this king is not godly by any means, this is the same king that threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fiery furnace. Now, he repented after doing that. And again, we're gonna see some repentance in this chapter, too, but he is far from perfect. He's a pagan who worships pagan gods. But yet he has in some ways earned the appreciation of Daniel. Daniel recognizes him as a good leader, as a strong leader who can benefit his people. And some of the imagery of the dream is that: that he provides shade and cover for the birds and for the animals, and that. His presence has, in many ways, allowed His kingdom to flourish. And Daniel recognizes that. And Daniel would say, Well, I wish, King, this wasn't happening to you, but this is the message from God. You're going to be corrected. Because the problem is, the king had grown powerful and strong. The strongest king in the world at that point. With the strongest empire of the world. And yet he becomes... Arrogant. Verse 25, you will be driven from human society, and you will live with wild animals, you will be fed grass like oxen, and you will become damp with the dew of the sky. Seven periods of time will pass by for you before you understand that the Most High is ruler over human kingdoms, and gives them to whomever he wishes. They said to leave the taproot of the tree, for your kingdom will be restored to you when you come to understand that heaven rules. And that's exactly what takes place throughout the rest of the chapter, is this prophecy, this dream becomes a reality. The king goes mad for a time and is driven out into the wilderness. And what prompted it was actually a statement of arrogance. Verse 29, after about 12 months, he happened to be walking around on the battlements of the royal palace of Babylon. The king uttered these words, Is this not the great Babylon that I have built for a royal residence by my own mighty strength and for my majestic honor? While these words were still on the king's lips, a voice came down from heaven. It is hereby announced to you, King Nebuchadnezzar, that your kingdom has been removed from you. And he goes mad, he goes crazy, he goes out and eats grass in the field like a cow and spends a good amount of time learning the lesson that God's wanting to teach him. Nebuchadnezzar, you are strong. Nebuchadnezzar, you are influential. You are powerful. But But not more so than me. So how does Daniel respond to an imperfect king whom he appreciates? Well, first of all, he serves him. When the king comes in and says, give me the interpretation of my dream, Daniel obliges. Daniel has this gift from God, and that's why he is a counselor in the king's court. It's why he has thrived so well up until now, and while he will continue to thrive throughout the rest of the book of Daniel, even after the king changes, Daniel will remain a sought-after wise man in the king's court. And he serves Nebuchadnezzar well. Kind of like what Jeremiah said, Build houses, have families, pray for the prosperity of the kingdom you are going into. Daniel was in exile in Babylon. Pray for their prosperity. Want what's best for them, because as they prosper, you will prosper. Well, Daniel had that attitude with King Nebuchadnezzar. He wanted to serve Nebuchadnezzar well, and he desired for Nebuchadnezzar to be a successful king even though he was imperfect. At the same time, Daniel also spoke up. He spoke up about the dream, and actually, as you read when he finishes giving the dream's interpretation, he gives him advice. He is, after all, a wise man. Verse 27, Therefore, O king, may my advice be pleasing to you. Break away from your sins, By doing what is right. Your translation might say repent. Break away from your sins by doing what is right and from your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps your prosperity will be prolonged. King Nebuchadnezzar, I've got advice for you. Change. You're making some big mistakes. Arrogance and dismissiveness toward the poor. And those two mistakes, God does not take kindly to. So if you want to thrive, if you want to succeed, if you want your kingdom to continue to prosper, repent. Daniel was not afraid to speak up to a person he admired and appreciated and wanted what was best for him, but he was not going to turn a blind eye to some pretty significant problems, issues, mistakes. He was going to serve and speak up. And actually, what kind of a servant, what kind of a wise man would Daniel been had he not spoken up? To speak up. To challenge a wrong that has been done. To give the advice and counsel of repentance and change. We don't do it for our benefit. We do it for theirs. This is how our relationships just within our family and within our churches can work. And also, while I might not be called on the phone to talk to the President of the United States, he might not care about my advice, I can, as a voice, having a voice in this great nation, I can use that voice to serve, to to want the benefit of this nation and its leaders, and I can also use that voice to point out and speak up Whenever mistakes, big mistakes, maybe have been made, and the mistakes we care about are the ones that would diminish the kingdom of God. That we are not afraid to speak up when we need to speak up. In that, we actually serve. And we can do it with someone we appreciate. Now, let's get to chapter 5 and see the one that Daniel had contempt for. This is Nebuchadnezzar's son. And he didn't have a long reign. And when you look at how Daniel talked to him whenever he was summoned by him, Daniel, I get the impression, paraphrase Daniel would have said, no, you're not your daddy. Yeah, you're the king now. Your father was a man who was humbled before God, who, who took his licks before God and, and learned and repented and turned and... And he was, in in some ways we can see throughout Scripture, an arrogant man. He had his problems, but he was always willing to try to make his kingdom better, to become maybe better for his kingdom. He had earned the respect and admiration and appreciation of even a person like Daniel, a foreigner from a foreign land who had been conscripted into his service had every reason to hate him, but no, he appreciated him, because he saw what was good. But then we get to the Son, and Daniel does not hesitate to show contempt. Chapter 5, Nebuchadnezzar is gone. The Son is having a party. And in the party, he goes and he gets the sacred items from the treasury of the temple and included in those are the items that came from the temple in Jerusalem. The items that only high priests were to use. Here's this king, and this maybe younger king, and he thinks, you know what, I want to have a party, and why are we having a party with this stuff when there's good stuff in the temple? Well, why did the priests get to use the good stuff, the good cups, the good silverware? And uh, you now let's bring that in and let's enjoy the banquet as if we're gods. Feasting with God's utensils. And they brought in many of the items and many of the pagan gods, you know, for this party that he threw, but included among them were the items from Jerusalem. And of course, those were of special significance to Daniel. He no doubt did not like what Belshazzar was doing. And God Himself did not like what Belshazzar was doing. Because in the middle of the party, the writing shows up on the wall. A hand appears, writes on the wall. Everybody's scared to death. That'd be a pretty scary moment. And the words on the wall need interpretation. The words were, mene, mene tekel And they needed someone to interpret. And so the queen mother, Nebuchadnezzar's wife, says, I, Your dad had somebody who could do this. There was somebody in your dad's court who interpreted dreams and did it well. Call him. He can explain this writing on the wall. And so they do. And the king promises promises him riches and honor if he would just do this for the king. And Daniel starts to show his contempt. For one, he says, keep it. I don't want your fancy stuff. What you would offer me in gifts, I don't want. Keep it. And then he compares him to his father. Verse 20, And when his mind became arrogant, talking about Belshazzar's father, Nebuchadnezzar, when his mind became arrogant, and his spirit filled with pride, he was deposed from his royal throne, and his honor was removed from him. He was driven from human society. His mind was changed to that of an animal. He lived with the wild donkeys, and he was fed the grass like oxen, and his body became damp with the dew of the sky until he came to understand that the Most High God rules over human kingdoms, and he appoints over them whomever he wishes. But you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled yourself, although you knew all this. Instead, you have exalted yourself against the Lord of heaven. You brought before you the vessels from His temple, and you and your nobles together with your wives and concubines drank wine from them. You praise the gods of silver, gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone, gods that cannot see or hear or comprehend, but you have not glorified the God who has in His control your very breath and all your ways. Therefore, this is the interpretation. Mene, mene, God has numbered your kingdom's days. And brought it to an end. Tickle. This is this is a harsh one. Tickle, you are weighed on the balances and have been found lacking. Ouch. Parson, your kingdom is divided and given over to the Medes and the Persians. And the king, strangely, even though this is also bad news, he, he gives Daniel the gifts, he gives him the honor, but that very night. He was murdered. That very night, his kingdom was taken from him. And Daniel's interpretation of the writing on the wall came true. But let's look at how different he is Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar for one. Nebuchadnezzar was appreciation, Belshazzar was contempt. But what did he do for Belshazzar? Well, actually, the same thing. He served him and he spoke up. When Bilal wanted someone to interpret the words on the wall, and even offered him gifts. Daniel said, I don't want your gifts, but I'll do the job. Do the job I was hired for, regardless of who the ruler is. I'll do my best to help out this country, to help out this kingdom, to help out even your kingdom, by letting you know what God has to say about it. And so he serves the king... And he speaks up. He tells the king, Your dad knew how to learn a lesson. Your dad was humbled and he took it. And therefore, his kingdom persisted. You, you're as arrogant as they come. And he doesn't mince words, but he speaks up. And lets the king know that he has transgressed against God and that God is not happy. And in both of those instances, he was doing it first and foremost, of course, for God himself, but also for the benefit of the listener, for also for the benefit of the king whom he served, because that was his job. See, Daniel didn't get to choose his kings. We kind of get to choose. We get to vote, but I myself don't get to choose. There are several hundred million other Americans who will get to voice their opinion too, and I might not get the one I was hoping for, and you might not either. I don't know, but what we do with the king, well, sorry, what we do with the president that is appointed over us, whether we admire him and appreciate him or whether we have utmost contempt for him, doesn't matter. We serve him and when needed we speak up. The question I'm hearing a lot right now in this political season ran is who do you support? And some support Biden, some support Trump, some would support even third-party candidates. I would say before we answer this one as Christians, though, let's ask another question. Who do you depend on? The president, the the, the coming four years, and the four years after that, and the four years after that, and this vicious cycle we've kind of made for ourselves with all this partisan rhetoric. I don't know what's going to come of it as the years go on. Part of the anxiety over this election is that very fear of what's going to happen in the future. I don't know. But regardless, I'll depend on God. God has seen many kings rise and kings fall. He's seen many presidents come and go. He's seen entire kingdoms come and go. And Daniel saw entire kings come and go, actually, kingdoms. And he depended on God. He did what was right. He was wise and he was faithful regardless of the situation. And if that is who we depend on, if we depend on God, then that should help us decide who we support. Because when it comes down to it, we support, we love, we care about those people that God cares about. See, Daniel supported both Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar. He didn't like them equally. He didn't appreciate them equally. Not, Not even close. But he served both. He supported, we could even say, both. He didn't mince words. He didn't try to hide what needed to be hidden, what needed to be spoken. He spoke out. But he didn't stop working for the betterment and working for what was needed underneath even imperfect kings under whom he served. We're going to do something as we close. Um, I want us to pray together. And one thing Jesus told us to do was pray for our enemies. I don't know if you look at this picture and see an enemy or not on one side or the other. I don't know if you look at this picture and see a hero on one side or the other. I honestly look at this picture and I'm a little bit saddened that that's the choice. I don't consider either one my enemy. But they both make me worried a little for different reasons and in different ways. But even if they were my enemy, even if I could staunchly pick one easily over another, and I know many of you can, I mean, that's the political season we're in and it's not hard often to tell who somebody's pulling for. Have you prayed for the other guy? And not just praying for the one you are pulling for, and you're hoping for, and that you think would be the obvious better choice. Have you prayed for the other guy? And not just that he loses, but have you prayed for him to be blessed? Rather than to speak a curse, do we speak a blessing? Do we show our support? And so we're going to say a prayer, and I want to say it over both these men, and try to do it as equally as I can. Jesus, goodness, they both need our prayers. Let's pray together. Dear Father, I ask a blessing this morning over both Donald Trump and Joe Biden, over both the Republican Party and those involved in it, and the Democratic Party. And Father, I know that these men and their parties are flawed and have some very big flaws that I think do not exhibit your wisdom, that do not exhibit your godly character and the things that you would strive for us to accept and embrace. Uh, these two men are fallen and perfect people. But Father, I believe they are also your children. And Father, that you desire them, like the kings of Babylon. You desire them to be humble. You desire for them to learn from you. And Father, I pray that, that desire is fulfilled. I pray that they will accept your instruction. Both of these men, Father. And both will come to appreciate the amazing truths you have given this world. And will come to accept you as their king. Father. Not to think that they are in control, but that you are. And Father, I ask a blessing on their family, on those around them that they love and care for and work with. Father, that you let them thrive. And only one will be president. but um, Father, uh, both of them, I pray your blessing upon. And whichever one does become president, Father. I pray that uh, good things will come. I realize history has taught us and just the state of this world that it won't be perfect. We'll be far from it and maybe some very big mistakes will be made. Mistakes that will have lasting repercussions. And Father, bother us. That even with those, I pray for good things to come. I pray for wise choices to be made. And I pray for high ethics and morals to be followed. Father, bless both these men. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now there's somebody else we need to pray for as well. Well, a whole lot of people we need to pray for as well. We need to pray for Winsborough, we need to pray for our church here in Winsboro and the struggles that we're facing right now. The fact that we're in our homes and not together this morning. We need to pray for our community, our town. We need to pray for all of East Texas and the whole state of Texas. It needs some help. Uh, God needs to come and deliver and rescue and turn and help us see and do what is right and good. And this nation, this nation definitely needs God's help. The very fact that the two are running and that the two four years before that have run, it says something about us as a nation. And I'm not sure what it says is all that good. That We don't just need to pray for our leaders, we need to pray for people. I think of this amazing, wonderful democracy. But this world, God is not just concerned about the United States of America. I believe He is, but God sees the big picture. He sees the entire world and beyond that even the entire universe, because He created it. And we all need God more than what we have Him right now. And so many other nations are in just as big a crisis as we are, if not bigger. We need God. Joe Biden and Donald Trump are trying to convince us that we need them. We we need one of them. Joe Biden said, well, you need me. Donald Trump, you need me. Who do we need? Who do we depend on? God. After that, we can support, we can encourage, we can want what's best for anybody and everybody, the whole world over, but we depend on God. And the prayer, as we close out, let a hope the world comes to depend on God too. Let's pray one more time. Dear Father, we need you. We as a church, we need you. We as a community, as a state, as a nation, we need you. Father, this world, we need you. This world is so fractured. Only you can heal, Father. Only you can take what is broken and make it right. You've proven that in Jesus Christ, your Son. And I pray, Father, that we embrace Jesus as our King. We don't have earthly kings here in this country. And we are thankful for that, Father. And we don't want earthly kings here in this country, but give us a heart that wants Jesus to be our eternal king. Father, help us to depend upon you like Daniel did and to serve and support, Father, even imperfect, broken people because, well, we need each other. And we, as Christians, we need to be the light that shines in the darkness. As we work toward not just our own ends, but to the blessing and the benefit of others, help us to do that faithfully, Father, and help us to do that with all wisdom. And Father, if needed, help us to be to stand out to be out of place in Christ's name. We pray, Amen.